This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. It's now my pleasure to introduce our Executive Vice President and General Manager, Mr. Kevin Sheveldayoff, who will make our first pick on behalf of the Winnipeg Jets. Hey y'all, welcome to another edition of the Grip for 60 podcast, Heritage Classic Edition. That was a fun game. Good Certainly, times yeah. were had by all. Absolutely. Riddick was maybe a little pissed, but overall, everybody had fun. Yeah, watching that game made me glad that I live in Florida. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely snowing, and that, you know, looked, uh, looked cold out there in particular, um, in west-central Canada. It just seemed like every game I watched yesterday, like, felt like it was raining or had some crazy weather, because I was watching, like, EPL earlier in the morning, and it seemed like it was pouring across all of England that day. And then well, I, turn yeah. on the Jets, I turn on the Jets game, and it's snowing, and it, I don't know. Makes You're you, telling me a surprising you, turn of events, it was raining in England? Yeah, exactly. Or snowing in Western Canada. Canada? Yeah. Um, but but I, I had a thought, and I was I was thinking, I was like, well, why don't the Jets just play every game outdoors? And then I realized, well, maybe, maybe with you know the advances in technology that we've had, could, could there be a team that just goes – Forget about it. Let's just build an outdoor arena. That's our. That's where we play our home games now. I mean, it would have to be in a place that it just never rains, and you wouldn't have too like too much snow. There are just too many too many other factors. Yeah. But here here was my thought last night. Is I feel like I feel like every sport should have like these sort of like gimmick games. Like, Dan Shell clearly has, like, their Stadium Series, Heritage Classics, and their uh, Winter Classics, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, like, the NBA should totally do an outdoor game. Or, like... Like, what do you mean? Like, un- like in a, one of those um, public basketball courts that are in, like, a cage or something? Yeah, like that, or even, like, um, I've seen people propose playing them at, like, uh, like tennis courts. Like why? Like where they hold the U.S. Open? Oh, why? Well, because the basketball court is, I guess, slightly a little bigger, but the seating is pretty good, and the views are still pretty good, and it's still a good outdoor venue. Oh, okay. It could work. I think it could work. Okay. Um. Or after watching Peyton's places, you know, putting an NFL game in Central Park, you know. Okay. Right. I guess I guess the MLB also does this because they have their uh, little league classic or whatever it is that they play once a year in um, yeah. Williamsport. 
for the most part, yeah, that's always fun. That's yeah. always fun. And, you know, this is I, – but I think there's something different about playing a hockey game outdoors, you know? Yeah. Like this is – I mean, I think in particular you've got to have the, the ice there because um, oh, yeah. it's hockey. But, like, you know, that, that gives it a different element than just saying, okay, we're going to play this in a Little League stadium. Or we're just going to play this in a, you know, Central Park or whatever. Like, there's something because of the unique surface that the that hockey provides, I think that's an additional element there that kind of makes this unique where it gives it that sort of, like, that frozen pond feel to it. Yeah, exactly. It, um, yeah, because, I mean, that, that's, that's where it starts for everybody. You know, and it, well, it's almost part of Canadian culture. No, right? no, have an outdoor it doesn't race, start you know? there for us. Okay, but I meant, like, people who actually play hockey in that part of Canada or, you know, the northern United States. And I guess that leads me to what I really want to see out of the NHL is let's get some roller hockey games out here. Let's do some outdoor roller hockey. Get some of the, uh, whatever that, like, blue hardwood, not hardwood, but hard surface, hard flooring out there. Get some lines painted and do some roller hockey. Like, maybe have the Lightning host the Panthers or something. There was a there was a league, like, back in the early 2000s called Pro Beach Hockey. Oh, yeah? That was like a, yeah, it was like a roller hockey league that actually got on ESPN for a little bit. Cool. But like they got on the Ocho. Yes, no, it wasn't the Ocho, but it it pretty much was like it was back when like ESPN was still air like pretty yeah. recently weird things. Not yeah. like not like not like when they do the Ocho block now when they just purposefully air weird things, right? For the sake of being weird, but mm-hmm. like you know, and some of these team names were like some of the most like two thousand things to ever happen. But what, one of the weird things that they did was, um, like the corners, like the, where the in that like the, I'm not making sense behind the net, like where mm-hmm. the uh, corners were. Yeah. Instead of just being normal, they like ramped. Oh why? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> they had. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. The league is infamous for having ramps behind the nets to increase speed. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, you I know, guess the, the you puck know, doesn't get stuck along the boards in those corners there. Right. And also, uh, you, you know, it, it was the year 2000 because the champions were the Web Warriors. The Web Warriors? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Look into it when you have time. Uh, pro beach hockey is delightfully weird. So, what did you think of the actual game? What did you think of the hockey itself? It was it was pretty good, all things considered. Like, you know, sometimes, especially with the weather, you know, some of these games can get pretty ugly and you're kind of limited mm-hmm. just because of the conditions. Like, do you remember when the U.S. played Canada in that outdoor game and it was just snowing nonstop? And yeah. It was just sort of an ugly sort of game. This was a little like that, but generally the style of play I thought was pretty good, pretty watchable. Um, I, th- I thought the Jets played really well in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think the right team got. I think the right team got two points. But I think either team pretty well two points in that game, to be honest. Um, and here's what here's my big takeaway: is that the Jets 
really played the Flames hard. And this is a good NHL team. Like the Flames, you know, being they were the top seed in the West last year. This is a good team. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monahan, um, Mark Giordano. Like these are that like they could legitimately be a contender this year. Uh, I know they've kind of gotten off to a slow start this season, but you know they're still a really good team. And the Jets played them really, really hard, which is impressive given the Jets have had their own sluggish start to the season. Yeah, I was gonna say just right now the entire Western Conference is a little out of whack. Whack. So it's it's a little hard to yeah, W for whack, um, but it's, it is a little hard to piece together who is actually a contender and who is not so early in the season. Like I don't expect the Oilers and the Ducks to make the playoffs. You know? Um, yeah. Well, who with with the uh, uh, I can't blanking on names. The goalie they've got in Anaheim there, John that, Gibson. John Gibson. Thank you. Goodness. Goodness. It's been a long week. Um, with, you know, with John Gibson, you never know how far he can carry that team. He just gets a little bit of help. Speaking of John Gibson, poor David Riddick hung out to dry last night. Mm. Makes over 40 saves and still gets the oh. loss. He played so well, too. Like, I was I was impressed with the, the chances the Jets were creating. But, man, Riddick did everything right last night, I felt. Yeah, I mean, he did everything that you could really expect out of them. And, you know, it's a shame that one of those goalies had to lose because I thought they both played just ridiculously well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Connor Helmick, again, played, you know, coming into the season, he's been a big question mark. And I think we've kind of, at least so far, put that question to rest as to how good he's going to be this season. And he's, you know, last night it was another game where he looked stellar. Yeah, I, I, I really do think that's that's true. Um, and, and, you know, talking about how good David Riddick was, this is the other thing that I thought was interesting last night was looking at how many chances the Jets created and looking at how good they actually played. And I know they didn't, they're still missing that, those, those goals that we're used to them getting, um, from their top two lines, like they scored a power play goal and a goal, um, in overtime. So they're still kind of missing that even strength scoring ability from their top two lines that, you know, has really gotten them through uh, last season and the early part of this season. Um, but I, I think that'll come. I, I'm encouraged by this game because I see the way they're playing and I see, okay, they're creating chances. They're getting shots from the slot. They're, they should be scoring goals. They're just not going in. Right. Uh, that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, and I look, I'm looking at the process and the process is good. The process should be producing results soon. It's just, they, haven't found that finish yet. <laughs> finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time you do that, I'm going yeah. to have to point it out. It's yeah. Listen, when you, when, when your best scores is, is finish, is it, it right. The jokes write themselves really. Yeah. I'm glad you find that funny, but um, what do you, what did you see from this game? Uh, a few things. Well, first of all, um, I want to point out that uh, the shot tracking data from last night is very, very screwy and out of whack. So yeah, uh, that makes sense. So the like they don't have any numbers from like the first period. 
Oh, because I remember because folks on Twitter were saying that like the shots were being registered as being like 120 feet away or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was kind of broken. Was so there are no stats in the first period apparently, um, other than like shot attempts. And Which I, I think they might, might. Yeah, they might have might have had it under control for the next two periods, but yeah. So don't look at that from last night until I correct it. But the NHL man. Yeah, no, I, I did. I was, I'm with you. I really liked the Jets game last night. I, I thought that, you know, they, they had some problems, especially in the first period, with getting a chance and then just not being able to put it on net, whether it was blocked or wide or mm-hmm. or both somehow. But they're getting um, to the dangerous areas and they're creating chances from that. I think. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know I thought they had some pretty good. I thought they had good chances throughout the night. The the one thing I will say about this is. I think there's one one guy in particular that I've noticed hasn't he's not very good at uh, selecting when to shoot, and that's been Patrick Line. I I felt like a lot of times I'm watching him and he's he's shooting, and it's like I don't know if I would have t- like that's not the highest percent shot there, uh, but he is doing a, he's having a good season and setting people up and doing all the little things, which again we've talked about over and over again, and it's kind of odd. And we're like, okay, some at some point the goals are going to come. And I just wonder if that shot selection is something that he's missing from his game. Yeah, I think I just kind of think that in total it seems like this Jets offense is kind of kind of due for a regret or the opposite of regression, I guess. I guess I guess it's regression back to the mean, you know, from under underperforming to, you know, the average. Because you got guys like Kyle Connor and Patrick Line who just haven't scored the way that they have in the past. And I don't expect Kyle Connor to continue sitting at like 10% on the year, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think it's a matter of time before those guys get going again. Did Kyle Connor have one or two assists last night? I know he had at least one. I know he had a helper on the game winner. Um, but I don't remember if he had a helper on the power play goal as well. He did not. It no. was line A, line A and Shifley on the power play. Line A and Shifley. That power play goal, that was something else. That's something else I wanted to talk about. Like, man, what a shot from Morrissey there. Yeah. It's, um, it's, but it's also almost like, okay, of all the shots from last night, that's the one that went in. <laughs> well, okay. At some point. Hey, you were talking about regression to the mean. That's part of that, right? Yeah. Um, but I and that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about because you know we talked you know one of the good things from this game is we got a, a power play goal something that we've been struggling with this season. Um, but my observation is if it's a power play goal that we're celebrating and it's that kind of point shot from the blue line, is that really the power play improving or is that just a point shot from the blue line? Yeah, that's why you have people like me that prefer to look at um. Things like expected goals for per 60 on the power play. So I feel like it's a lot more helpful than just saying, oh, look, the power play is, you know, you know, the, the power play scored last night. Therefore, it's good. You know, like there, are, I think there are more, there's more to a power play than did it score. Yes. But hey, like you will take the goals whenever they come. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, can, can we, re- I, 
I am doubtful that the power play has vastly improved just because Morrissey scored on a point shot. But I will say getting traffic in front of that, in front of um, Riddick on that goal certainly helped. So maybe there's a process there that we can look at and say, okay, they're doing this well. Maybe we can see more of this going forward. Yeah. And uh, speaking of special teams, because I, I didn't, I don't want to forget about it. The Jets are officially dead last in the league in penalty kill. Well, okay. Not great, Bob. Who's going to really kill penalties on this team? I guess Morrissey and Neil Pionk? Well, I mean, I'm sure guys like Shifley and Little are going to help out on the penalty kill, but like Kyle Connor is good on the penalty kill, but from a, you know, a, a mostly defensive role, Morrissey's still really your one uh, good penalty killing defender defenseman yeah no, I, uh, you're right about that it's, it, i'm just throwing that out there that um they, like i said i'm not the biggest fan using percentages to evaluate special teams but when you're dead last like there's, right. there's something to that you know um i wanted to bring up jack roslovic because he's someone yeah. that is just, it's just waiting for for the the floodgates to open with him, I think, from what I've seen. And particularly from last night was another encouraging night from Jack Roslovic because he, he had two breakaway chances that just he just got stoned by Riddick, but he did everything right in trying to create them. Yeah, that, I mean, it kind of sounds like kind of sounds like the Jets season, you know, offensively. But yeah, I I agree with you. I thought Roslovic was good last night too. Um, I mean, and I hate you know I don't want to be overly positive, but that was a very encouraging game that I thought. Did you see anything that might concern you moving forward? Um, I mean, like I said, like obviously the penalty kill. You, you know, like I think I just checked. They're like seventh in the league when it comes to like. They have the seventh highest expected goals against for 60 on the penalty kill. That's not great. Um, so th- th- that's something I would keep an eye on. But I thought last night was last night was the game that the Jets needed really badly after just a horrible homestand where, you know, they came into this game, I think, dropping like four of their last five. This, this was the game that they really needed. You know, when your last mm-hmm. win was against the Oilers and it was one nothing in shootout, this was the kind of game that you needed to get the fans going and the players going again, I think. that um, You know, and you take some momentum now into your California trip. Yeah, I was about to say, this, this schedule does, you know, get a little bit more difficult moving forward. You do have to – I mean, you know, we, we kind of talk about how the, the Ducks aren't great, but they've got – John Gibson, so that's always going to be a tough one. They they just took down the Avalanche, so you know they they can take down the Avalanche. They can certainly take down the Jets. And then you've got back to backs with the Sharks and the Knights. And I don't think the Sharks are that. I mean, the Sharks aren't playing well right now, but they've got the talent to really make some noise. And then Vegas is going to be dangerous. So particularly on a back to back on the road, like this next week gets significantly more difficult than their six game homestand. I think. Well, and here's something else I wanted to bring up from last night's game, though, was, you know, I know when coaches talk about, like, resiliency or whatever, it's like, it's a lot of coach speak, you know, 
But last night after they challenged Calgary's goal for the high stick, which, come on, that was a high stick. Yes. But that was the thing. Was the explanation that I've heard about this is the NHL said, yeah, it was above his shoulder, but he was sort of in an awkward position, so it wouldn't normally be a high stick. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't, I I don't am, really buy it. And I mean, I get the line of thinking, but I don't – this cannot be the one time that that's called like that. When the stick is like at or above his head, like unless you're on your knees, like that's pretty much a high stick, you know? So I, I just, I, so I would say that was a good challenge from Paul Maurice, and then even even better job from it. I, I criticize this penalty kill a lot, but good on them for coming out after yeah their coach put them back on the power or back on the penalty kill. Come out and you kill the penalty and prevent the Flames from from going up to nothing. Yeah, the Flames go up to nothing there. It gets really difficult to try to pull that back, in particular to try to get this team um, rolling again. You know, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, if this game is the game that sort of injects some life into this team, that's a huge penalty kill then because suddenly we're going from winning this game and turning the season around a little bit to, well, we're right back where we were. Now we need to go on the road and play Anaheim try to score some points against John Gibson when we've struggled to score points against Riddick. Like that's difficult for a team to try to overcome. Yeah. So I I think there are a lot of, a lot of good takeaways from that game last night. One of the things I feel like we do have to mention though, um, that hit by Adam Lowry on Oliver Shillington. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no need for that. No. Uh, I mean, there's like no time left in the period. Like, what what are you thinking? Yeah, it's you can't make that play. You know, as as a wise NFL or NHL official once there's no such thing as a wise NFL official. Uh, as a wise NHL official once said, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, whether or not he's going to get any sort of discipline from the league yet uh, is still unknown. But that was that was just not. And he only got two minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably the right call. I think. But I was hearing somebody was saying that they could have made an argument that he should have been gone from the game. Yeah, that too. So but the fact that he only got they two rule minutes, it, is... they rule it like boarding instead of um, the hit from behind. Yeah. Um, how have we gone 20 minutes and just now brought up Brian Little? Because I am bringing him up now. Oh, yeah. Forcing the issue. I I mean, we have to mention him because he got the game winner on a very nice goal. Like, that was a nice pass to Brian Little. Kyle Connor, or yeah, Kyle Connor deserves credit on that pass. But also, I mean, we're not here talking about this game quite the way we are if Brian Little doesn't put that in. No, like, you're right. You know, it's it's a good game winner. And, again, like I said, it was it was the goal and the win that the Jets really needed at this point in the season. And, and once again, people like to prove me wrong after I've called them out. Kind of. Because, you know, I've been talking about how, oh, I don't know if you should put Brian Little in that second-line role. Well, now he's given us no option. He's going to get more minutes now. 
Um, and I've been talking about how Kyle Connor needs to step up a little bit more. Well, he's making all the right passes. Oh, yeah. You know, Brian Little needs more time at five on five now that he scored a goal that was served up on a platter at three on three. Like, I, I mean, you're right. You're right. But I'm telling you, this is how it's going to work. I'm sorry, but the Andrew Kopp second line center is the hill that I guess I'm just going to die on. <laughs> no, it's the hill we are going to die on. Oh, he's, okay. I'm glad you yeah. agree. No, I'm that. with you. I'm just I'm just saying it's – if you're an NHL coach and Brian Little scores that goal and he's already got the, the second line center spot, how are you going to remove him from that role? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just – my boy Andrew Kopp had another great game last night, and he's still going to be stuck in the third line while Brian Little is just okay on the second line. I just – it bothers hey, me. If he's playing with – is he with Jack Roslovic then? Because if that's the case, I could get behind those two as a pair. Uh, Yeah, I think he was with Lowry too, eh. I think. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, so that – just my thoughts on Andrew Cobb. You know, I have to th- I have to throw that out there every time. And that'll paint a Lowry. And then, of course, I'm going to say, yeah, Lowry's not been okay. I mean, Lowry's been just okay. He hasn't been great. And, you know, he's going to score the game winner in Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, Don't tell David, me I'm wrong. Poor David Gustafson gets to play in his first uh, outdoor game, and he only plays for just over three minutes last night. <laughs> Good. Like, yeah, he's got a lot of room to grow. He's still plenty young. He does. I, I always feel bad whenever the coach dresses someone and plays them for like five minutes. Yeah, well, that's going to happen sometimes in the NHL. Particularly when I you're know, a like, guy like Gustafson, you're just trying to break into the game. Yeah, but it's just like, it's like if I were him, I'd be like, Coach, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. Like I think um, he had, I think he had one shift in the third period. Oh, fun, 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 fun. Which I guess when you're chasing a game like that, it's what you have to do. But like, I just had to throw that out there. I was like, three minutes and sixteen three. seconds. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Any other concluding thoughts on this game? Other than I think this is one of the like the prettier outdoor games. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always like seeing the snow falling. Oh and yeah, the stadium itself it opened in 2017, so it's like brand new and it looks really nice. And it's owned by the city of Regina, so I don't feel bad for marveling at the architecture. You know, I want right. It's not 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 like some of these American stadiums where it's like, all right, this costs the taxpayers. You know, a billion dollars. Look at look at our stadium. Look how pretty it is. Right, um, and that's sort of the more fr- one of the more frustrating things about American sports is um, these owners that could, well, somehow I guess afford to build a new stadium decide, you know, I'm gonna kind of hold the city ransom here and make the make the city pay for it instead yeah like I, I felt uncomfortable the other night when um 
Washington was playing uh, the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. That stadium cost over like a billion dollars to build, and the announcers were like, look at how marvelous the stadium is. It's so nice. And I'm like, okay, but who paid for it, you know? But So my, my concluding thought from this game, because I believe it bears repeating again, Connor Hellebuck is the is the truth. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck is hashtag good. Yeah, and, he, and he, it's not just like from one night. He's been very good. Other than, been, like his, other than like his first start, he's been pretty good all year. As rough of a position as a lot of these young defensemen have been in, I think that's also putting a lot of pressure on Connor Hellebuck to play well. And he's met that expectation and then some. Uh, because he's, I mean, a lot of these defense. I've said this before, but a lot of these defensemen that are are young and promising, a lot of their talent is on the other side of the ice, moving the puck, progressing play, and not, oh, we actually have to stop the other team from scoring. So that aspect of the game has really fallen on Connor Hellebuck, and I think he's really stepped up and made a big difference. And particularly last night, I thought he made a huge difference. Yeah, uh, according to Natural Stat Trick, Connor Hellebuck is your league leader in goal saved above average. Ooh. I mean, part of that's just because he's played uh, like a couple more games than some of the other contenders. But. Just, just, just wait until Carter, Carter Hart finds his stride, then he'll, then he'll really uh, step into that top spot there. I'm sorry, don't you mean Starter Hart? Start. Well, right now it's Brian Elliott. So. Yeah, but he let four goals in last night. Well, that's also his third straight game. And then, and you know how Brian Elliott does with being overworked. It's we're, I'm just glad he isn't hurt right now. So, <laughs> um, but I think but, it should be Carter Hart. I think tonight, I think they play. But uh, speaking of goaltending, the Jets will face the severe opposites in goaltending. Uh, yeah, I know. Shameless segue there. <laughs> it really was good. It was good. I was nah. just like, I just like going. Um, yeah, but sorry. Will, you were saying they'll, they'll go from playing Anaheim and John Gibson <laughs> on Tuesday, I think, to playing Martin Jones on on Friday, I think. So <laughs> and we can cover the the we can cover the Sharks game in our next episode because their next podcast will come out then, and we get we can listen to you rant about the Sharks. How does that oh, sound? That yeah, that that episode's gonna be great. It's it'll be I can, wonderful. I can do the podcast from the Jets' perspective. You can do the podcast from the Sharks' perspective. That could be the entire thirty minutes. Well, I guess then we can cover the, the Ducks game if it's not boring as all crap. Um, so, what are you what are you looking forward to in this game? Um, I mean. Um, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the uh, the Ducks. I'm sorry. I'm, excited, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Sharks match up with uh, the Jets, and I'm also looking forward to how the Jets match up against the Ducks goaltending. So. <laughs> you start talking about the Sharks. Again. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I had to- I was scrambling because I had to put you on mute for a little bit, so <laughs> and I just started babbling. <laughs> um, 
It's okay. It's been a long week. Uh, we can rest up tonight and be ready for our next podcast, apparently. Um, so I'm kind of interested. I am always going to be interested in like these young forwards that we're not really sure what we're going to get out of them. Troy Terry being one of them. I think that's going to be super interesting to watch to see how, because he's been thrown into a top line role with Ryan Getzlaff. Um, and I, I kind of wonder who, who the ducks are going to match up against um, who they're going to match these, this, these, uh, this top line up against, against, you know, the jets, right. Cause that's how that works. The home team usually gets to decide who's matched up against whom. Right. Yeah. They get second change. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Ricard Raquel, I think, always needs a second look at. And then, of course, John Gibson. I'm assuming – I don't know if – I'm assuming he's starting. I need to look and see if the Ducks play again. Um, but I, I am – right now I'm assuming it is going to be Gibson on Tuesday. I'm sort of laughing because I, I decided to look at uh... – the Ducks lines on Daily Faceoff, and Daily Faceoff has their top line as bottom in the league. Yikes. Yeah, that's going to be a yikes for me. Can they not move Ricard Raquel into that top line role, though? Do they really need Nick Ritchie there? No, not really. Yeah. But I was going to say um, to watch out for – one of my one of the players that I hate that I like because he plays on the Ducks. Do you know who I, do you know who I'm going to bring up? Who are you going to bring up? Andre Kasha. I didn't I didn't see him on the the thing. Yeah, because he's out on IR. Oh. Yeah. With so, all the with all the I, trade rumors, I thought I had mi- oh there he is. With all the trade rumors surrounding Andre Kasha, I thought they might have moved him and I missed it. Um. Because I thought they were, I, th- I thought they were going to move him to um, Carolina because Carolina makes all the smart moves. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed. See, he's supposed to. Um, well, he's a player that nerds like. He is a player that nerds like. And Carolina has a bunch of nerds. Yeah, we're nerds. Exactly. We like him. <laughs> <laughs> we, I am. Uh, me, me, so more than you on the nerd side, but. All the smart things. That should be a a uh, somebody make a parody of all the small things called all the smart things, and it's just a bunch of Alexa parodies. Well, uh, maybe, maybe he'll play because I'm looking at uh, an article from from CBS Sports, and apparently he he'll be unavailable against the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, but I guess he'll be hmm. fine for the Jets. So maybe he'll be ready and the Ducks will have a little more forward depth when they play the Jets. Do you know if um, if it was Gibson Saturday night against the Avalanche? Or if they're mm. using Gibson tonight against Vegas? Because it's... Uh, I do not know. Okay. So I'm trying to figure I, out... I'm assuming... Actually, I don't know. Because I, I don't know who I would have given the starter. I, I mean, both uh, those on, games... Between those, be, yeah. Would mm, I almost wonder if they would have done back-to-backs with Gibson and then put um what's his name Ryan Miller against the Jets on Tuesday? But I don't know. How did you have an easier time coming up with Ryan Miller than you did John Gibson? Well, because I've got it up. Ah, okay. I didn't I have it up before. I have as it soon up now. You said, as soon as you said what's his name, I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> 
I have a hard time with names. Forgive me. It it was Ryan Miller last night. So okay, so probably Gibson tonight, and then Gibson Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So that'll so that's um, what kind of worries me because we've seen how this team can struggle with scoring against good goalies or when the goalie's playing well. Example, last night, right? Um, and so if this is another one of those games where it's like the Jets are doing everything they can to score and John Gibson is John Gibson, and they, it's a 2-1 game, I don't know who would be leading because, I mean, this team is allergic to leads, so it could easily be 2-1 the other way. Um, and it's a 2-1 game going into like the end of the third period. Like, how how many times can we have this sort of game where it's, okay, we're doing all the right things, we're but we're not scoring goals. How long can we wait on that before Palmeris decides to scramble things? I'm sorry. You just got the uh, One Republic song stuck in my head. Um, all the right moves in all the right places. Oh, my goodness. Is this, this podcast is just going to slowly morph into um, music references with hockey <laughs> thrown in. Exactly. Um yeah, you're 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 spot on there. You know, if you're talking about um, ways to get the Winnipeg Jets offense going, facing John Gibson is probably one of the last ways I would do it. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, facing the Ducks defense is one of the ways I would do it. <laughs> well, and you know what team does that sound like, Brendan? Uh, the Jets. Yeah, sounds like us. <laughs> So you're saying that they should do more scrimmages <laughs> against the defense in practice is what you're saying. <laughs> they could. I mean, if you look at the, the Ducks defense, it's Hampus Lind- Lindholm and Eric Goodbranson, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to be one of um, Eric Goodbranson's first games with the Ducks because the, the Ducks just completely bailed the Penguins out. Can teams stop bailing the Penguins out? When the Penguins sign a bad contract, can they just have that bad contract? Yeah, like that's that's what I didn't get. Like that's what's one of the frustrating things about me with with the Ducks. They're not like to the point of Edmonton with frustrating me of like completely wasting a player. But the fact it's that they close. the fact that they took on it, Eric Goodbranson's contract, thinking that like when you take on bad contracts, like you're supposed to get assets from it. The Ducks sent them a pick. <laughs> and, and I saw you, you tweeted that Eric Goodbranson is a very high uh, grit per 60 player. Oh, yeah. He's a grit per 60 champion. Like, he's one of the guys I think of. But, like, teams are – because like, that's what the Ducks did. They were just like th- – that means to me that they think that Eric Goodbranson is a good hockey player. And that bothers me because he's so clearly not. But they acquired him because he's 6'5", and he's like 220 pounds, and he can hit people. But that doesn't mean he's a good player. <laughs> he hey, handles a puck like a bomb, and he team. can't defend. <laughs> I just uh, – it bothers me to watch um, um, Bob Murray just completely waste John Gibson's prime by acquiring terrible defensemen. Between him – they also tried to sign Lucas Biza too, who's also notably uh, a not very good hockey player. Who, by the oh, way, but is who not got Lucas Biza instead? Yeah. yeah, the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets. I'm get, is he just down in the AHL? I didn't officially hear where they're putting him. 
Uh, I'm assuming that he's just with the Manitoba Moose. I I think you mean he's just down the hall. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I would assume. I think so. I think so. I think it's where he is right now. Because I haven't seen him show up on any of the NHL rosters. Yeah, I, I I'm not. I don't know. I don't keep up with that stuff. Honestly. Um. So I and I was gonna say I think going forward. Every time we preview a game, we need to figure out who is who on the uh, the opposing team has the highest grit per sixty rating. Ooh, yeah. Who who is that uh, team's grit per sixty champion? Yes, and I think I guess Eric Goodbranson is probably our best bet with the Ducks. Yeah, I would say Eric. Goodbranson. I might throw Connor Carter Rowney in there, but yeah, maybe or um. Nick Ritchie might be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, th- I think it would have been more difficult had Eric and Branson not just been acquired. But Eric, yeah. Bran- Eric and yeah. Branson is definitely their, their grid for a 60 champion. What about Cam Fowler? Yeah, but he actually has like some value. Like He's not a horrible hockey player. He's not great, but he's... he's I think he's, you can have a high okay. grit per 60 and still be a good hockey player. I don't know, but I feel like the whole I feel like the whole point of it is that like your value just for your yeah. grit alone. Your your value you are valuable because the hockey men say you're valuable. Right. Like I don't think Evander Kane is a grit per sixty champion. He's just a talented player who's also physical. He does have a lot of grit per sixty, I will say. He does have a lot of grit per sixty. And I, I guess uh shoving a referee would give you some grit per sixty points, but um all right. That being said, we ran a little long on this one, but that's fine. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts? Uh, fourth, uh, no, three-one Jets. Uh, I, I will take the Jets in a four-two game. That really was three-two, but with an empty netter. Uh, other thought is we need to figure out who, what is, um, what superhero hero Sam Steele actually is. Ooh, yes, that too. The, the, the Ducks have some good names on their on their lineup. Yeah, we we ju- we just need we just need more hockey players named Sam Steele. Dude, you're telling me that Max Jones isn't the the alias of his sidekick? Oh my goodness, Sam! Oh my goodness, dude, they're totally partners in crime. Yeah, exactly. Or the opposite of that. Partners in justice. All right. Crime fighting duo. Yes. All right. All right. With that being said, um, thank you for watching. Um, I finally updated our Spotify and iTunes page. Like on Wednesday, I uploaded like eight episodes on there. So, yeah. MVP. Yeah. So, with that being said, Thank you for getting this far. Um, f- feel free to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GritPer60Pod. You can find me on Twitter at BeatBarrel727. TC, where can they find you? I am on Twitter and on Instagram at TC underscore 904. All right. That being said, thank you for listening and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet.
New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.